This is episode 95 of the Landscape Photography Show. And before we get into the show, I want to thank patron to the podcast and supporter of the podcast, Marco Cipriasso. And if you're into the podcast and you subscribe, you're going to hear from Marco actually next week in episode 96. But I couldn't really feature him as a patron and also interview him in the same episode. So I just wanted to thank Marco for subscribing to Patreon and signing up for a tier that fit his budget while also supporting the podcast week after week so we can bring the best podcast guests on who are landscape photography enthusiasts. Through Marco's subscription, he gets access to exclusive content, like exclusive content from this episode specifically and episodes past, as well as some other benefits as well. If you want to sign up for Patreon and get access to this exclusive content, go ahead and go to patreon.com slash David Johnston and sign up for a tier that fits your budget. Now, in this episode, we're talking with photographer Ben Scar, and Ben is a young photographer, just turned 18. When we talked, he was still 17, wrapping up the school year, and I was really excited to get to talk to Ben because of his unique photographic style, his unique photographic location, and I think when we're all younger as photographers, we just like to shoot everything, and I was really interested to get Ben's perspective on photography what he enjoys about it, what he enjoys about the the creativity of the craft of photography. And as a trigger warning, we are going to talk about NFTs. I know NFTs are a hot topic right now, kind of divisive in the landscape photography community, but I do want you to take an open-minded approach to what Ben has to say about NFTs and about the community that surrounds them. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? We're here with Ben Scar. Ben's joining us from Massachusetts, a place that I'm familiar with. Love to the bottom of my heart. Uh, so Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome into the show. Hey, David. Thank you so much for having me. Why don't we get started just by getting everybody on the same page? This is what I like to do with all my guests. If, if nobody knows who you are, fill us in on your progression story and your journey into photography and kind of what led you to where you are right now. Yeah, I would love to. Um, so my name is Ben Scar. I'm a 17-year-old travel and landscape photographer based out of Massachusetts, like David said. Um, I first kind of picked up the camera or drone, you could say, as I actually started with a DJI Spark instead of your typical DS DSLR uh, back in, I believe it was July of 2017. Uh, I had been pretty active uh, on like photography communities because it was something that I was interested in. Um, and then I watched this YouTuber at the time. Uh, his name was Casey Neistat. Uh, and I saw him do this tech review of this little drone called the DJI Spark. Um, and from there, I, I mean, it caught my eye immediately. I knew it was something that I wanted. Um, so I, I spent all of my allowance money on it. I um, went full in and I kind of just started learning the basics of photography through that. And I feel like that was interesting because it's, it's not your normal path. Uh, I feel like 
a lot of beginners and amateurs kind of start off with like a handheld camera um, to help them learn the basics. But for me, it was really exciting because I got these new perspectives from the air that I had never seen before. Uh, and it gave me opportunities to uh, learn how to utilize the light in landscapes um, and how to post-process my shots. Uh, so yeah, uh, that was my beginnings. Uh, from there, my passion for photography really developed into kind of a hobby slash kind of just side, side hustle. Um, where I was um, kind of upgrading gear. I now shoot with a Sony a7 III and a DJI Mavic 2 Pro. Those are kind of the main items in my gear bag. Um, and my style kind of progressed towards more just capturing the beauty of the states over here in New England, uh, just kind of traveling around. Um, before, a couple months ago, when I got my license, it was my parents that I was dragging along with me to, on these photo excursions, which I was, I was very fortunate uh that they were willing to do that uh but now that i am 17 i have my license i can kind of uh roam a little more freely so it's really exciting um to kind of get outdoors get out with the camera and uh i like looking for new compositions especially over here in new england i feel like there's a lot of scenes that can be overly photographed um and if i can put my own spin on those and share that with my audience on social media. It's uh, one of my favorite things about photography. What'd you like so much about Casey and his vlogs? Oh, that's, I could go on and on about Casey, but I really, to me, the thing that stuck out the most is what I, uh, I'm sure stuck out to many people was just like the daily consistency. His drive, I would say was one of the most inspiring factors for me. Uh, and it still is just the fact that he was able to consistently upload 10 minute plus videos every day documenting his life um as like my uh time with photography has progressed i've noticed like how much effort that actually takes and took for him when he was still doing daily vlogs uh like having to record the footage having to process it upload it interact with the other people on social media it's very time consuming and i have a lot of respect um for casey and his vlogs especially because he was kind of incorporating a cinematic style into like these just kind of daily lifestyle videos so it was a really cool crossover and uh definitely something i like to go back and watch every now and then i've talked to to photographers who are parents themselves um and we've talked about how they have fostered interests of their own kids but on the flip side, you know, looking at it from your perspective, what, what does it mean to you that, that your parents are willing to go the extra mile? You mentioned them taking you out on some of your shoots um, and, and fostering that interest for you. Totally. I love that question. Um, like I said, I'm very fortunate to have two amazing parents, my mom and my dad, um, kind of since the beginning have been... Um, very supportive of my journey uh, kind of like i said helping me out um, with going to places that i was interested in shooting and i think to me that kind of just shows that they um they believe in me uh, i know especially from being online um with other young photographers uh, in the community it's not it's not always the case that the parents are so happy about their kids dedicating so much time to photography um, and while my mom is always, uh, on my back about like prioritizing school and all that, which I completely understand, um, 
I, I think it's really nice to kind of have them uh, having my back and just kind of, uh, I don't know, just it's it's a really great feeling to have the support from them. And it's cool to see other uh, photographers who are parents doing the same for their kids. What are your grades? What was your GPA last time you checked? I think weighted um, was a 4.3. Um, so not not too shabby. I think uh, unweighted, probably like somewhere between a 3.8 and uh, 3.85. So it's it's something that I still like pay a lot of attention to. I'm very uh, like I manage my time well with school so that I'm still able to kind of dedicate this time towards photography. Uh, and it's definitely a balance. I get asked that a lot, like how I'm able to manage these two parts of my life um, because I'm I see I mean on my uh, social media it, it feels like I'm always out there photographing new places and I'm always getting that question so I think it, a lot of it comes down to time management and if I can keep up my grades that will keep my parents happy okay when I was your age though I and now I sound like an absolute boomer here but <laughs> using phrases like when I was your age um, I think my my weighted was like a 3.4, something like that. And I was taking like four art electives, which were an absolute joke in high school. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we all have different high school experiences. So, I mean, for me, I, um, I have over the past few years taken on some pretty rigorous um, advanced placement courses that have definitely challenged me. And it's something that I enjoy being challenged. I don't like um, having to sit back and um i don't know not learn new things so i mean school interests me for the most part but at, on like the other hand it can be very demanding and stressful um so it's definitely a balance between like what i enjoy doing with photography and uh my educational work now y- your pathway as you said was very unique into photography starting with a drone uh most photographers you know start with either film or, or dslr like an entry-level camera and then they add in the drone to to get yes. that other perspective for you what what was it like going from drone though to a dslr uh well mirrorless in your case yeah um it uh i don't know let's see i feel like it was kind of the reverse of how other people feel like when they get the drone they uh like how i started out with it they feel like so free with these new perspectives whereas when i got the dslr i kind of or sorry the mirrorless i realized that it kind of takes a little more like in my case i got so used to just capturing these high vantage points and now i felt like i had to put a little little more thought into my compositions um how i was going to just look through that lens i think kind of changed my mindset when i transferred over into a handheld system um and i think that's still true today um although it has changed a little i used to be very drone oriented uh, it was pretty much all that i was uploading to social media and the camera was just kind of a side thing uh and the roles have kind of switched now um but i still kind of feel a little more challenged with um with the sony than the uh drone itself i feel like i can capture scenes more easily with the drone but like i said before i like those challenges so it's like a lot of things in life switching to that um that new way of capturing things uh just kind of broadened my horizons it opened my eyes um and that's just one of the many aspects i enjoy about photography 
what do you think those challenging situations what do you think they make you thrive like how how does that bring it out of you totally um i feel like uh let's see with challenges i feel like they're all everyone always says there's like personal growth if you can learn to overcome um what is what are your obstacles um then you're going to grow as a person and i feel like the same is true for photography if i'm constantly encountering things that are maybe giving me difficulty and i am able to overcome them whether that be like just a a day with bad weather that i haven't really um in like a place that i haven't shot before if i can just make the most of it and get get an image that I'm happy with. I think that helps me grow my skill set as a photographer because I'm like more acquainted with new new scenes and able to handle a little bit more if that makes sense. For sure it does. And and who are some of the other people you mentioned Casey uh Neistat and how he kind of gave you some confidence but in in terms of photography, maybe we shouldn't go the photographer's route because I feel like a lot of photographers say the same names of like who are the, their inspirations were. Outside okay. of the photography genre, who, who are some of the voices that you listen to that give you the confidence for, like you said, consistency and determination to, to get better in your photography? Oh, man. So let's see. Uh, I look up to... It's, it's interesting because I feel like I could go two ways with this. There are a lot of people in my life directly that I look up to because of their consistency. Um, and then there's also like these online personas like Casey Neistat that I look up to for their consistent consistency. So I think in real life, um, when I'm not in school, like over the, over the summer, uh, actually starting next week, um, my main job is actually I work in a sushi restaurant. Uh, which is something that I feel like a lot of people don't know about me. Um, and in that industry, like the restaurant industry, I've just, over the past two years of working there, uh, I feel like this kind of drive and dedication has been kind of just cultured or kind of just driven into me um, by the people around me. Uh, I see people at the restaurant, um, like the chefs, the servers, all those people working in the restaurant industry that are working like 10 hour days. And I personally feel really inspired by them because I, I can go in there knowing that they are putting in incredibly hard work. uh, And I kind of strive to be like the other people in the restaurant. And I feel like that, that like recognition of seeing that dedication and drive has paid off kind of transfers back into photography. Like, as you know, with landscape photography, a lot of the times it comes down to dedication, getting out there um, early mornings, even when the weather's bad. Um, so if I, as long as I have people around me that are inspiring me to uh, keep my head down and just focus on like my dreams and stuff like that, I think, I think that's going to be very beneficial to me. All right. I am going to change my mind here. Photographically speaking, who are some of the people? Um, I'm a big fan of Michael Shane Bloom. Um, his all of his work out west. Um, I'm I love the work of Jordan Hammond. He's a um, Bali-based photographer. He's more travel-oriented than landscape-oriented, uh, but I still find his editing style 
very enjoyable. Um, for anyone listening who hasn't heard of these two names, highly recommend you go check them out. Two very skilled photographers. Um, I also really enjoy the work of Kath Samard, um, a Canadian-based photographer. She does a lot of uh, workshops uh, in the Rockies, um, and she's super dedicated. She's probably one of the most dedicated people I know to her craft. Um, and she also has a very unique style when it comes to post-processing. She does a lot of compositing, uh, which is a whole other discussion um, as it can be kind of taken in two different lights. But um, I look up to those three and hundreds of other people that I follow on, online, which is one of the most amazing parts about social media, just constantly being exposed to these inspirations. I've heard it described of Shane Bloom as you never really think he's doing anything when he's shooting, but then he just comes out with like these like insane images, but you think he's just sitting there in the field, like playing with flowers. Yeah. <laughs> I lo- I don't know um, if you've seen his, um, his YouTube videos, but I really like how he kind of talks through his process. Um, and it's very insightful for someone like me, who's still kind of learning the ropes of photography and kind of learning what to look for. Um, and I feel like him, like like you said, like maybe it might not always look like he's being busy and capturing an image and like putting in a lot of hard work. But then when he comes back and he shows you the back of his camera, that's that's when you realize that, um, yeah, he's he's doing amazing work. I do. I do have to ask. I, I jotted this down when you said sushi restaurant. Best yep. sushi roll is what? Oh, so I am a huge sucker for spicy tuna. Okay. Um, I love. So we have this roll at the restaurant. We call it the double dragon. Uh, it's a spicy tuna roll with some uh, shrimp tempura topped with additional tuna and some salmon. Uh, and yeah, that's if I get asked by a, a guest uh, what they, what I recommend, that's that's my go to. Love love some spicy tuna. And what's the spice level on that? Like, are we talking? No, like, not too bad. Like a three out bad? of ten. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Are you a sushi guy yourself? I am, and I love spice. Um, I would say my, one of my favorite rolls that I get is has spicy tuna and then it has jalapeno bits in it and then it's topped with sriracha. Okay. That's probably, that's probably a little higher than we do have another one called the serpent roll, which does have some jalapeno, but yeah, that's, I'm not too much of a, a heat guy when it comes to sushi, but I can definitely respect it. <laughs> I gotcha. Let, yeah. Let's talk about your, youth travel photographer of the year that I, that I know you got and that title, what, what emotion do you feel when you know that you were given that title and, and that recognition? And I, when I, when I got the news of that, I was honestly at a loss for words. It was the kind of like first major competition that I had entered. Um, I so basically here in New England, um, we're very well known for our fall colors. Um, and pretty much this September, when I got my license, the first thing I did, pretty much, I think it was the first weekend after I got my license, was I drove about 300 miles up north to New Hampshire. Um, and it was so incredible because normally the um, colors peak like a week, week after I arrived, but um, due to kind of a um, a dry summer, they came very early and very quickly. So I actually ended up arriving at this, this peak time when nobody else expected. So I essentially had in most of the popular locations to myself. And these images that I captured from these trip, 
from this trip are um, the four that I entered into the competition. Uh, most of them came with stories kind of regarding the efforts. I slept in my car for probably two nights, um, kind of not the best conditions, but I was very dedicated to capturing these scenes that I had in mind. So that's kind of what I told about when I gave the backstory for the images. Um, so I submitted these these four shots of all of the color and the landscape um, and all that from kind of some local states. Uh, and then about, I think it was two months later, um, in either late December or, or early January, I got the news. And it was just like a huge stepping stone for me where I realized that, okay, um, I'm pretty happy with my work. But to hear that, like, these other professional photographers, these um, judges were actually kind of like they saw something in the photos that I submitted was just a very, very, um, I think, just gratuitous feeling. I was I was just blown away. Like I mentioned, this was the first competition I had ever entered. And to take first place for my age range was just something I never expected. Um, and f after that, um, I was like, the, it just kept going because I ended up getting published in CNN and a few other major um, news sources. So like that, that was probably like one of the like most exciting week or two of my life, weeks or two of my life. Um, and then I think recently there was some sort of exhibition in um, King's Cross, London, where the competition was based or the, where the headquarters of the competition is based. So just so many good things came out of it. Um, and I'm really, really grateful for uh, having my images picked for that competition. Did you expect to win? Oh, absolutely not. No, I submitted um, with very low hopes. It was kind of just like, oh, this is cool. Because I was kind of like interested in maybe submitting some some images to some competitions. And this one popped up. It had probably like two days until the deadline. Um, so I, I was like, I'll write up these short little stories about the images that I was planning on submitting and I put them in, kind of forgot about it. And then I got the news and yeah, it was, it was unreal. How is photography viewed among younger photographers? I mean, even in like your school, is it like, is photography something that's, that's viewed as cool? No, not at all. <laughs> I, I mean, so it's funny you mentioned that, like, uh, obviously like, uh, like the younger generation that I am, um, we're all very social media oriented. So at the start, um, when I was still kind of starting out with photography, um, kind of posting some of my earlier work on Instagram and stuff like that, I was like, I wasn't, um, I mean, I've never been popular or anything, but they were. Uh, I got some like harsh feedback, some hate, and I feel like that's kind of normal for anyone that's trying new things. But like as my social media following grew and uh, my images got better, I felt like, I don't know, it's it's interesting how photography in high school is received because a lot of people seem to, uh, I don't know if it's like jealousy or if they just kind of like to bring others down, but they can be, it can be a little harsh. Uh, and I obviously I try not to let it affect me and it's not so prominent anymore, but it's definitely something that I hear a lot of younger photographers struggle with is their peers um, not being supportive. And fortunately, similar to um, my family, I have, a, I have a friend group who's very supportive of my work and 
always interested in me talking about it. So it's it's cool, and it's definitely developed to a to a state where uh, my my work is accepted. It's uh, sort of well known through the school that I that I do this for a living, pretty much. Um, and yeah, I I enjoy talking to people about it for those who are interested. I know in any landscape photographer, anybody who's interested in photography in general will, will gladly like trap someone in a room just to show them all of their photos <laughs> and then place them against the wall. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like strap them to a chair hostage yep. style. But totally. I mean, I, I, I'm always ecstatic to talk about my work to other people. So yeah, that's why I love coming on shows like these. And I'm, I'm sure you've experienced similar things with your friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, what does it mean to you that, that you do have that friend group who, who's excited to hear about it? And I mean, we, we talked about like the online presence of confidence building, but they've got to be like behind your back the entire way and, and going out on a shoot, you've got to keep them in mind of, of that they have your back and they're cheering you on. Absolutely. It's such a similar situation to my parents where I'm just like, I, I'm very fortunate for my situation where I know a lot of other photographers may not have like the same support that I do. Um, and it's kind of like continued on um, with the online community um, on platforms like Twitter and Instagram. I'm um, very fortunate to have kind of a community of like-minded people who are supporting my work. I love to support back and kind of give feedback on other other photographers uh, and just meeting new people online has been such a blessing. So just their support itself is I feel like what keeps me going. It's, it's really, really nice knowing that there are people that enjoy looking at my work, um, maybe connect with it if they are familiar with the area. Um, and I feel like that's something that a lot of photographers strive for is just being able to have people connect with their work, maybe feel some sort of emotion looking at it. Uh, and that's something I strive for myself. One of the things that, that I was thinking about when you were talking about online community is you mentioned it, Twitter and the recent boom of like hashtag NFT community on there, everybody building themselves up or building each other up, not themselves. What What is the NFT community and, and this space for landscape photographers a generally new space that has accelerated in the past eight weeks yeah really glad you asked that because nfts are definitely a pretty hot topic right now um and it's something that over the past two months i've been trying to kind of integrate myself into this new community um one of the things i've loved doing on twitter especially is um the twitter spaces i love hosting those they're usually weekly it's been a little difficult for me to um to host them with school recently, but now that that's wrapping up, I'm hoping to resume my uh, weekly schedule. Uh, but yeah, with the whole kind of NFT photography boom, I feel like uh, right now there's so much like love and support being spread around for other photographers kind of coming into the space. Um, and there's just such a growing community of these landscape photographers on Twitter. Um, and at the moment, it's, it's kind of, I feel like the perspective on photography and NFTs is a little bit skewed at the moment, unfortunately. Um, you, you go onto Twitter and you see um, a lot of success on your timeline, which is amazing to see. I, I love seeing other photographers being supported uh, and succeeding in their own right. Uh, but 
a lot of this success is unfortunately coming from two to three collectors. So what a lot of people don't realize is that the artist to collector ratio right now is like hundreds to hundreds to one, essentially. So I feel like at, for the moment, the market is a little bit kind of saturated for NFT photographers, uh, especially landscape as more people, more and more people join. Um, but as kind of the collector base grows, I think there's a lot of potential um, for these people who are interested in digital fine art, essentially, is the way I look at it for landscape photography, especially like any, anyone who usually pictures NFTs thinks of this digital art or like these 3D renders, whereas it can really be anything. Uh, and photography has definitely shown that um, there's been some huge sales uh, photography wise, which is really exciting to see because we haven't really had anything like this before where uh, these creatives can receive such monetization for their work. Um, and I think what a lot of people don't realize is that we're still in very early stages out of, of the NFT space. Uh, and like I said, as the collector base continues to grow, I think we're all just going to, we're all going to thrive. How big of a factor is patience in that space? I'm so glad you brought that up. It's what I preach. Patience is what I preach. Um, I, so I got into the NFT space probably around late January, early February. I minted my first piece and, um, and then I minted another piece probably a month later. And it took two months, two months for that first piece to get any attention. Uh, it got a bid um, by a photographer known as Jacob Riglin. He's very, very prominent in the space as well. Um, and he kind of, I think he noticed what I was doing as like a, as a community figure, just trying to help other photographers succeed in the space. So he was very uh, kind enough to kick off the bidding on that. And within 40 minutes of that first bid, my second piece also received a bid. Um, from one of the other prominent uh, collectors in the space, Vince. Um, so that was a, uh, another just incredible night, a very similar feeling to how I felt when I won that Travel Photographer of the Year award. Um, and I think like a lot of people, when they see that, they think like, oh, overnight success. I mean, like it's far from overnight success. It's, it's two pieces, which is amazing in its own right, but nothing monumental. But in reality, what what it was was, two months of like those pieces sitting me working on um, promoting them uh, in, in like my own ways uh, and working on further NFTs. So patience is so, so key. You don't really want to rush anything with the NFT space. And that goes for so many other aspects of photography and life. I feel like the more you focus on community and uh, just kind of, collaborating and engaging with other photographers in the space and the more that you can get your name out there that's going to benefit you way more in the long term than just kind of minting a ton of photos to start and hoping that they sell it's kind of a a, a thought process that you need to kind of think think about when you're when you're entering a space you don't want to come at it with like you don't want to be super spammy on twitter so it's there's definitely a balance and i think yeah, patience. Patience is where it's at. What what scares me about photography in general is the saturation and people viewing it as a zero sum game, meaning you get something I do not. Um, 
what I think I've seen through through kind of the the beginning of this and and the journey that it's been on is more so of a collective community. And I would hope, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it, of, of that being the case moving forward for not just landscape photography, but inviting appreciation for other digital artists, uh, more manipulation through images, and just as a collective community, no matter what your style is, to just kind of like, for lack of a better term, just love one another and, and what they do. Absolutely. I mean, community is everything. That's like, I made a thread the other day. And that was like the first bullet point on my list is like, that's what I always try to prioritize uh, when I'm when I'm on online. Um, and what I like to think is like, if the space were to vanish today, NFTs were gone, like they didn't exist anymore. The connections that I had already made through the space and the community that I've been able to connect with on Twitter, the amazing people that I've been able to meet and talk with is just, it's outstanding. And it's something that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. Um, so really, I feel like there's there's always going to be people that come into the space expecting it to be a quick cash grab, something like that, like in and out, make some money. But the people that kind of stay um, and just talk with others, support others are like retweeting, doing everything they can to kind of be selfless and maybe put put others in front of yourself. Those are the people that are going to see those that long term um, just success. I feel like community is communities, everything uh, like you mentioned, just getting more um, genres into the space. Uh, one fellow photographer that I really like the work of his name is Omar, he's based in New York. He does a lot of these um, these dancing uh, city portraits, um, which are definitely a very like niche um, style of photography. But he's slowly been seeing some success uh, with his NFTs, and that just kind of goes to show that it's like it's not just landscape photography that's um, thriving in the space right now. There's a lot of potential for other genres uh, like still life and um, non-landscape photography niches to thrive just as much as as we are right now in, in terms of like nft and print like i see a print on your wall back there i know on your website you're building a, a print store where people can order prints from you in in terms of the two side by side do you feel they're equally as rewarding to newer and younger photographers NFTs and prints, or do you like get more jazzed up about seeing an actual print and, and holding it? I feel like they both have their like their pros and cons. Uh, not so much cons, just like it's it's kind of like apples and oranges almost. Like I feel like when I uh, I started printing my work about a year ago, um, and it was one of the best decisions I ever made. Like seeing your work in hand is definitely gives you a, a further appreciation for your for your imagery. Um, and then online is uh, where many people are uh, very like used to seeing their work. So the feeling of like maybe selling an NFT, uh, I think is probably it's it's very different than selling a print or uh, if you create uh, an NFT or if you just print an image, even if you like discard the whole selling factor, I feel like it's, it's a very different feeling with prints. 
you get that appreciation um, where you have it in hand. You can kind of look at the smaller details. You can hold it up to your eye. Whereas digital is just what we're so used to that you might not really get that same feeling. But I think what really starts to change is when um, it comes to selling that piece, whether it be physical or digital. Uh, I think selling a physical piece is really rewarding because you know that 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 print is going to go up and hang on someone's wall, which is really amazing. It could be like anywhere in the world. And to know that you have a piece of art somewhere uh, in someone's house is just an amazing feeling. And I think with NFTs, it's, it's a little different because obviously it's not physical. It's these digital files. Um, so you may not get that same, that same factor of like, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's very different. Uh, I don't really know how else to put it. Uh, NFTs are, it's still an amazing feeling when you're, when you're able to sell one, just like a print. Uh, but it's, it's very different. What's the future of landscape photography? Like we've been talking about NFTs, do they stick around? Do they fizzle out? Does it lead to some other type of, I don't want to say like way to make money, but, but way to put yourself out there as a photographer. Yeah. Monetize yourself. Yeah, exactly. Where do you see that going? That's, I mean, that's going to depend on who you ask, to be honest. Like everyone's got different thoughts on this. Personally, I feel like, like I said, it's just the beginning. Really. I feel like there's so many, applications for nfts um this digital art is really just kind of the tip of the iceberg when it comes to uh the whole nft world not just photography like i've already seen like technologies being developed to implement nfts into like sports games like where you attend a game and you get like a digital collectible something like that and i feel like as nfts become more commonplace the these photographers who are getting in so early um, and all other digital artists are going to be very, very successful. That's my thought. I I feel like I compare it to like internet um, early, I mean like early 2000s where like everyone's still like, what the heck is this? Um, and doesn't really get it. But I feel like give it five, 10 years time. And yeah, NFTs are going to be a very, very household term. Yeah, you're going very Gainer Vay- Gary Vaynerchuk on me with like the Not beginnings, <laughs> the beginnings of NFT stuff. I I see possibilities all over the board. Um, Every industry can use them. Yeah, I can't think of any any industry that wouldn't be able to use NFTs. I and I agree with you. Like, is it the beginning? Sure, but it has to be formed as a way that you think differently about how you are. Number one, selling them, and number two, different ways on how you can provide value to whoever is collecting that, because it's going to come to a point where the collector needs to get more out of it than a digital file. It's yes. got it's got to come with more value that has two, three years worth down the road. I agree. Yes. So obviously, like these collectors, they need to be getting some sort of like compensation pretty much. So whether the, that comes through the actual piece that they purchased, purchased um, increasing in value as the artist um, becomes more well known, or if there are like, did um, I think it, they're called unlockables, like where people are adding like 
I know fellow photographers are actually adding like physical prints as unlockables for collectors who are purchasing their pieces. And I know I mentioned her before, but Kath Samard, I believe, is um, kind of planning on adding uh, experiences as like real life experiences where you can join her on workshops for photography and stuff like that for NFTs. So I feel like there's so much potential. It only time will tell um, where the space goes, if it ends up kind of crashing, if it ends up going to the moon, we're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, but it's very, very interesting times that we're living in right now. Let me ask you this. I, I've looked through your portfolio on your website. Um, and I love what I see The the thing about what I see coming from younger photographers is grand landscapes. And I think grand landscapes are fascinating and they're so fun to photograph. How do younger photographers or people who are newer into the craft feel about the more intimate, like small natural design type of shots? Yeah. So I see like some people, especially when they first get that DSLR, they experiment with like macro based shots and kind of getting those closer details. But for me, uh, I mean, starting with the drone, that's kind of just where I um, gravitated towards were those broad landscapes because I was already getting such high vantage points. Uh, and I think that style still maintains like through my photography today. I always love getting up to these high places and being able to see like a very vast landscape. Uh, but that's not to say that I don't have appreciation for these kind of uh, very uh detailed and uh like pattern based images i love when i um when one of them catches my eye on social media and sometimes i'll be more interested in that than say like a another large yosemite shot um so i think for younger photographers a lot of us maybe chase that that awe um that awe feeling of like um, someone seeing one of our images and being very entranced with the nat natural beauty. Um, and I feel like there's a, there's a part in everyone's photography journey where they do try those smaller details. And I think it's just a, a very different style and you get a different feeling from looking at it. You may uh, like just give it a little more thought than just saying like, oh, wow, that's a very, very pretty large landscape you may pay attention to the smaller details, maybe think about how the photographer went about maybe spotting this in the first place. Um, I, I really enjoy looking at the more minute photography. Where can people go to find more out about you? Uh, awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm mostly active nowadays on Instagram and Twitter. On Instagram, you can find me at Ben Scar, B-E-N-S-K-A-A-R. And then on Twitter, it's Ben Scar Photo. Um, I'm pretty active on those social media. I try to post stories, new images daily, um, and it's it's something I'm planning on keeping up for the upcoming years. Well, he's Ben Scar. Ben, thank you so much for joining us and talking photography. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, David. This was great. So the episode is done here, but it actually is continuing on over on Patreon. 
You know how I told you about how Marco Cipriaso gets access to exclusive content? Well, he's about to hear about 15 extra minutes of my interview with Ben Scar over on Patreon.com. You can go to Patreon.com slash David Johnston and sign up for a tier that fits your budget. Now, in the exclusive content, Ben and I dive a little bit deeper into what makes him tick as a photographer, what he enjoys about it. And I just really enjoyed the feeling that I got from interviewing Ben and getting to know him a little bit more. And it's always fun to interact with him over on Twitter as well. So feel free to go over there and follow us on Twitter. Also, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And thank you so much for patrons for signing up for the podcast. I really hope you enjoy the bonus content. And I do not take it for granted. And I can't wait to see you guys next week.